welcome back to the Food Institute podcast. This week we have RSMUS LLP Principal Christian Winsler with us and we'll be speaking a bit about digital transformation in the food space. But before we get started, I want to thank the sponsor of this episode and that is RSMUS LLP. RSMUS LLP has a robust practice supporting food and beverage brands worldwide with a wide range of audit, tax, and consulting services. The clients they serve are the engine of commerce and economic growth, and they are focused on developing leading professionals and services to meet their evolving needs in today's ever-changing business environment. RSM US LLP is a part of RSM International, a global network of independent firms with 48,000 people across 120 countries. And for more information, please visit rsmus.com, and you can find a link to that website in the episode description. So with that out of the way, welcome to the show, Christian. Can you give us a brief background on yourself to get us started today? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks. Thanks very much for having me today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go all the way back as this might be a little bit applicable to this. I originally grew up in Switzerland in a tiny, tiny farm town. So uh, that really got me in touch with food production early on. But then you know, through my career, uh, I got more engaged with technology, ultimately moved to the, the U.S. And, and there started working consulting. Today, I'm a principal with RSM in our Microsoft practice. And I, I lead, again, with that background and a combination of things, I lead our food and beverage industry team across the Microsoft stack here, here at RSM. And thanks for sharing that. And we're going to open up with a pretty open-ended question to start the conversation today. But I'm wondering if you could help us out here. What's the first step of digital transformation for an organization? It's a great question. Uh, we get that actually asked quite a bit. And you know, this being the digital transformation being one of the, the buzzwords of the day, um, it's, it's, it's a good place to start. Um, yeah, the definition seems easy, right? To do things digital and transform everything to digital, but there's really much more to it. Yes, it is, you know, digitalization and using technology is part of it. But if you're looking at what an organization does that gets onto this journey, they're really more taking a holistic look at an organizational level and take a digital first approach to things. So, so simple, I'll give you a simple example, right? Would be um, a lot of companies look at automatically and, and processing their accounts payable invoices. Well, it's, it's not just taking those and not having paper invoices anymore. It's, well, okay, if we look at the whole process beginning to end, how can we work with our suppliers to get the invoices in a digital format, how we can then receive them and then how do we can you know, process them, approve them? How can we do all of that without someone having to put a stamp on an invoice and putting it on someone's desk and signatures and all of that? So, so that's an example of just taking a process end to end rather than saying, well, we're, we're, we're digital now. We don't use paper anymore. So, again, it's a much more broader view that companies should take a look um, you know, to really get onto that journey of that digital transformation. Yeah, and one of the things that really struck me in our earlier talks when we were prepping for this episode, Christian, was that digital transformation is not really just an action, but more of an organizational change. And I think you kind of touched on that a little bit with the earlier answer there, but I'm wondering if you can explain that thinking and kind of showcase why it's important to look at it in that framework. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a fair question because, you know, a lot of times, again, it's when we look at changes that an organization goes through, be that, again, just from a digital transformation perspective, be it other shifts, and I'm sure we'll talk a little about the pandemic here as we get into our conversation, is changes like this, they come from the top, right? They're, they're not just in individual pockets of the organization. If an organization really wants to make a move like that, it starts at the top. And so 
if the leadership of an organization doesn't embrace this, right, and it doesn't really infuse that top to bottom, then, you know, that that's why, you know, I say, if you're not doing that, you're not going to be successful on this journey. So that's when I, when I say, right, it's an organizational change. It isn't, again, it isn't just individual processes. It's really something that comes from the leadership that gets driven down. And then you got to take a look at it from all angles. Because again, as I said before, right, it isn't just, okay, we're, we're doing something on paper today. Can we make that digital? How can we take the whole process and utilize technology to support us with that process rather than that one step along the way? Yeah. And something else that we had talked about too, that I think is interesting that we could talk a little bit about here is just, you know, harnessing internal data. I think a lot of the times when people think digital transformation, they're probably looking outwards from the organization, but I know that this is an important step. It also is, you know, typically proprietary data too, right? Something that's helpful for you. So can you talk a little bit about that too, how some companies might be able to kind of look inwards at their own data and figure out that, Hey, we have, you know, we're sitting on a treasure trove here and how that kind of enables and enhances digital transformation. Yeah, that's a that's a huge point of, you know, when we look when we work with organizations and, and it's usually where the light bulb goes on, right, is is today what we're seeing a lot is that still a lot of companies run on the the most what I call the most used ERP system in the world, Excel. And, you know, between that and paper, right, you, you're having all these data points in different parts of the organization, but you're not really connecting them. And you're not really getting the visibility real time that if something happens that you can react to it. So by really looking at these processes and bringing all that data into the fold is you're starting to get to, you know, have a visibility into, well, okay, wait a minute. Yes, we're, we're buying this over here for a specific cost, for example, but I'm selling it over here at this price. And if I don't connect those two things together, I might think I'm doing really well or I'm, I'm sending the right product to the right customers, but I actually might never see that because those data points aren't connected, right? Production efficiencies, right? If I get visibility into, well, how much do I produce? What's the downtime? All of those things seem simple, but if I track them in Excel offline, they, they feed into some folder and we're not looking at them, right? We're not bringing them back into that broader picture, because I might lose visibility some of that. So there's a lot of efficiencies and, and a lot of benefits that an organization can get out of just that inward look, right? And seeing like, well, how, how am I operating? How fast am I processing transactions? Do I have enough staff in the right places to move the ball along fast enough? Or are we, are we overstaffed in some places? Because you know what, we already got a really pretty good process in place. It sounds like we can, you know, we can really already work on the or process the work that we have, or we should be able to do more. So it's a very good point that you're saying, right, is that inward look of saying, well, let me see what's going on within the organization. How can I, can I visualize and connect those dots to really see where some efficiencies can be gained? And I think we'll jump into the food you know, industry a little bit more specifically soon, but I'm just wondering, you know, in general, from the work you've been doing, when you take a look at the pandemic and now inflation kind of rising at a record rate, you know, how is this impacting companies and their decision making when they're going on a digital transformation journey? Are you finding it uh, kind of spurring them along in this? Do you find that people are a little bit more reticent to spend on going into this? How are you kind of seeing that dynamic play out right now? It, yeah, it's been very interesting. It's been uh, on one side, it's been like, um, you know, pouring, pouring gasoline on a fire. Um, on the other side, it's it's really pulling back because now we're, we, hey, we got a pandemic and we got to deal with all of that. So it's, and I say that because for a lot of companies, this has been really the push. 
they've been saying this for a long time and saying, yep, we know we're going to have to um, adapt more of these uh, technologies as we go forward and we'll get there. But, you know, there's always the problem of the day. Um, but during the pandemic, a lot of companies were really forced to pivot, right? It was the, if you're looking, how did they interact with their customers, right? We've had, um, give you an example, I have a, a client of mine that they were doing mostly food service um, and a little bit of e-commerce. Well, you can't imagine, restaurants were closed, everybody was at home ordering food from home. So their e-commerce side, you know, the, the just sort, the business sort on that side, right? And with them, um, they actually were ahead of that, right? They, they had this infrastructure in place to be able to deal with the volume and deliver to those customers and keep them happy. And those are now customers for life. So they really opened a second channel that they can you know, pick up, go to their customers via that transition and really saying, well, we're in a good place and we can really deal with both. Um, now, obviously, right, I want to um, tell that short, right, with with what's going on, there's a lot of investments that were done on on more the called the hardware infrastructure as in, hey, we got to deal with production plants and things like that. We're going to keep up with the business there. So that that's the other side, which is a little bit of a pool where companies saying, well, you know, yes, but we've got to deal with some of the other things first before we take this on. But I would I would just say, right, that's where if you have companies that have this forward look that are looking at, okay, inflation's coming. What does that mean? Right. My labor cost has gone up. I'm looking for more automation. Um, commodity cost is up, right? Really across your point, not just for food, but really across the board. And it's there is continuing or there's going to be a continued cost pressure that companies need to look at. And, and stepping onto this you know, transformational journey is something that can help them with get a better visibility to it, better manage those components, but also again gain efficiencies in that space to really help them make it better to through you know through those times. All right. So now that we've talked about, you know, companies making the decision to jump into this digital transformation, I think it's probably worthwhile to talk about some of the technologies that are out there. So I'm thinking just in general, after a company has decided to make this shift, you know, what kind of technology should they be looking towards? I know that this will probably be a little bit more broad. Uh, you know, it really is probably case by case basis, but I'm just thinking in your opinion, you know, what emerging technologies are making the most space, you know, most sense for the food space today? Yeah. And I think this, I'm going to answer this question twofold and it and it, it is really a, a good question because there is a lot out there that companies need to consider and it's it's hard for them to figure out where to start and a lot of times when i when i engage with um with the community it's you know, you said it right some some of them are a little further along and they've got some things in place some of them are really like where would it start so if you're at a place where you're like well really okay you know I, we really gotta make this move and shift I would actually say that you don't start with a technology. You you start a step ahead of that and really take a deeper look at you know your business and really which areas can you take on. But as I said before, these are these are organizational changes. They aren't just hey we're going to roll out a new version of Office. So that you got to take the right approach here to making sure that you can bring the business along with you. Uh, to make them successful, because otherwise you're just, you know, you're applying a technology to a, a bad process or something like that. And it just means you're going faster with with a bad process. Um, so I would really recommend them to take a look at that, figure out where, right, you, you where is an area that's ripe to really take a look at that. And then from there on, you can define a roadmap and figure out, okay, well, what's the first thing? So for example, do I need get better visibility? Well, have the data, 
it just isn't really visible yet. So that means you could be looking at, um, you know, more of a reporting framework, um, something if you look at the Microsoft tech, like a Power BI dashboarding analytics around that. Um, if you're more struggling with, well, we're doing a lot manual, we're not capturing data where it needs to be captured. We're still doing a lot of Excel work. Well, then maybe the first part is, well, let's look at building a, an ERP infrastructure, right? The underlying system that brings it all together that we can store the data in. Um, if you got that in place, right? Um, and you're like, well, uh, I really want to take the next step. Then it's more looking at, well, what are some of these ancillary things that are can be more targeted? So again, I mentioned that AP automation earlier, right? A lot of companies that make these first couple of steps, they're now looking at some of these processes to say, okay, well, what else can we do to really accelerate um, you know, our journey on, on, this, on this road? Now, there's probably going to be some of these other things, right, that um, everybody's talking about there that are, that are really exciting um, and everybody wants to get on. And it's, it's things like machine learning and, and artificial intelligence, you know, Internet of Things. Um, that, that's going to be things that once you kind of got your basics in place, right, that I would say, yes, that those are, and you mentioned, I mentioned a couple of them here, right, that companies should be looking at. There's some really exciting stuff um, that's coming in, in the space of, again, AI. And really why that's that's relevant, especially for food companies, is because it, it helps with taking a lot of the available data and then say, well, okay, help me detect patterns. Help me with better forecasting. A lot of the things today in that space are still done with tribal knowledge. But this is really taking that leap and, and saying, hey, look at the weather. Look at what we apply to a field. Look at um, you know what the, the typical traditional yield is for this crop when we plant it on these days. There's so many factors that can be now taken into account that we can we humanly it is impossible to process all of that. But with some of those technologies, right, it is now possible to bring all of that in and then come up with well, okay, based upon all that and that I know what is my forecast going to look like and how am I going to you know, structure my business or, or adjust based upon what this is telling me, what I should be doing going forward. Yeah, and I'd love to dive in a little bit more on artificial intelligence. And I think we could talk even further about just the whole buzzword versus reality aspect of a lot of these technologies. Um, and that's also going to change over time too, right? Sometimes a technology is instituted or implemented and, you know, maybe it's a little bit early for its time and it kind of comes into its own. But when we're looking at artificial intelligence specifically, I think a lot of people, you know, either big time supporters or big time skeptics, right? Um, so I'm wondering just from your opinion and vantage point, you know, is this a spot you think the food industry should really be focusing on? Should this be, you know, all aspects of the supply chain? Is it more specific towards, say, CPG? How do you see, you know, how artificial intelligence is going to play a role in the food industry going forward? Yeah, I think it's... I'm I'm a proponent in in at least the sense of what we're talking about here, right? Because there is I'm a big fan of data in general, and and as we have started to implement systems, right? As the internet's become available and opened us up, as you know, another thing that's important to tie in here again is this Internet of Things. As we're putting sensors into everything, right? As we put sensors in into the fields, onto the tractors, onto the machines. 
like anything like that. We're capturing so much data that we, that's great, but it's going to be, you know, it's like drinking from a fire hose and it's like, well, I have all this data now. What do I do with it? And so, you know, there's one part that is just essentially reporting, but now we're just getting, okay, great. Now I've got all this reporting available, but I still need to look and dig through it. So from that perspective, again, I think artificial intelligence fills a huge um, need here to say, okay, well, take all that data, process all that data, and then let me help you know, adjust what is relevant, what isn't relevant, but then help me really make decisions based upon all of that, what is there. So I think, again, it, you know, it's, it is still a bit of a buzzword in the sense of that we're in the early stages of really bringing this to the food industry specifically, or we're seeing some other industries where, again, pattern detection and, and really using AI to do some of those things is huge. I mean, it's, it's really something that companies should be looking at as they move forward. Because again, we're, we're only going to compile more data. And so how do we really manage that and make smart decisions based upon all of that data? I think this is where, where AI is going to uh, fill that need. And I like that you brought up Internet of Things as well, because I think it kind of serves as a good example as a technology that kind of evolved into a use case. When we first saw it, at least on the consumer side, you were seeing a lot of stuff about connecting your you know, refrigerator to your Amazon account and all kinds of stuff like that. And you saw middling results, I think. But then you take a look now at you know farmers using all these different data points from these sensors or even going into, say, a vertical farm, how technology um, you know, forward they are and all these different data points that they're able to use, put it into their dashboard and make decisions on. You know, I do think it kind of showcases a you know benefit to at least exploring these technologies early and getting ideas idea of how they work for because when they're first introduced it's not always to me at least seemingly going to end up you know being the final use case or the perfect use case for one of these technologies do you agree with that 100 percent, yes and it's a lot of times right we need to get some of these things out there and they just they get played with they're getting refined a lot of time until they really can be applied in a in a uh, an industrial setting right it's also a cost component Usually when these things get released, right, they're fairly expensive. Well, that's great, but I can't put this on a pallet when I process a thousand pallets a day. It just, it isn't, it isn't cost, you know, effective. Um, but, and, and, you know, there's different use cases that are coming up, right? You mentioned it like vertical farming or indoor farming. It's, this is a completely different um, an environment. So you have a, a very controlled environment. You can adjust the variables easier. Like you can control a temperature. In a, in a greenhouse, right, versus out in a field. So now really having the right sensors, getting the right data, and, and acting based up on that accordingly becomes really critical in success of, of getting the most yield out of the crop that comes through that, right? And so again, now we're dealing with a different environment. And so um, even AI, right? So why, I don't wanna uh, wait until a sensor notifies me and then I have to go look and make an adjustment when it's weekend, it's the middle of the night. No, artificial intelligence can take those data points and can factor in that, oh, it's getting a little colder right now. Well, the sun's gonna come out in an hour. That's gonna heat things up. Let me not turn the heater up so it's gonna be too hot afterwards, right? All of those rules and, and that um, those types of uh, processes can be defined so that you can really have something like this self-managed. And so you're now bringing some of those different technologies together 
to, to in a new use case, right? That we haven't really haven't had a few years ago, um, and and we're seeing some great results in that. All right, Christian. So I know we've talked at a higher level here, but I'm wondering if we can kind of dive in a little bit deeper. I'm wondering when you take a look at the food industry, you know, what's the best value proposition and best place maybe is the better word to use here, like to harness data from an organization? Where do you find the best use cases for kind of jumping in on digital transformation? Yeah, that's a great question, right? This is a little bit back to what you said earlier. It's like, there's so much out there. Where, where do we start? And um, if we're looking at you know, capturing data, right? A big, a big theme is you want to think about, well, how do I capture the data with the minimum amount of effort at the point where it originates? And then really, how does it flow from there through the supply chain? So um, we've seen some, some interesting things again with IoT, uh, when you think about, well, we're harvesting something in the field, well, let's put a sensor on a pallet right then and there when it's harvested in the field. Because what we're seeing is that, okay, now we start capturing a temperature and that um, pallet might just go straight back to a cooling facility. Okay, no problem. Great. Um, but I also, it may go to another field. It may be out in the sun, depending on temperatures, and that might have an impact on the product itself. So when it comes to the cooler, we might want to assign it some different attributes so that we can already say, okay, well, the shelf life of this might have shortened a little bit. Maybe we got to get this out earlier. Maybe we got to get it to a client or a customer that has, um, you know, does, that, that doesn't have stringent requirements around um, the, the remaining days. So, so that's an example, right, where we can, we can really start capturing data early on in the supply chain and bring it in. Um, another example is, uh, again, production facilities, for example, right? We're bringing stuff in, it goes across a line. A lot of the machines, right, they have already built-in sensors where we can capture some of that data automatically off the line. We don't really have to do much to get that. And then we can attach that to the product and have it go through the supply chain um, and go through. So, so again, it's pushing, pushing it out to where do we need or where do we keep, where can we easily capture it um, without someone having to go write something down and then bring it back and keying it into the system. So I think that's like, that's a couple of use cases where we've seen a lot of companies take a closer look at and say like, okay, a lot of these uh, equipment pieces already have sensors built in. Let's just try to get our hands on that data and then bring that in and see what we can do with that. And thanks for sharing those use cases. I think it kind of brings it, you know, back home and shows exactly how these different types of technologies can be utilized together, but also kind of benefit your organization and even leverage things you already have. But I think one of the big things that I have noticed in the food industry, at least in my time covering it, uh, is just this, you know, maybe reluctance is the wrong word, but you know, it's not, it's not unbelievable to, to hear that the food industry is accused of being late to the game when it comes to digital transformation, right? That's probably the political way to say it there. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things I did notice, you know, I think a lot of companies thought they were recession proof and because they are such a fundamental aspect of, you know, everyday life in the U.S., um, they were really kind of hesitant for this digital transformation. And then the pandemic comes along and kind of upends them, right? So I think one of the biggest benefits that we could talk about here, and I think it kind of stems naturally from, you know, the organizational changes we're talking about earlier is, you know, what can organizations really do to remain agile uh, when they decide to go down this path? So they don't end up in a spot where it's like, hey, we did all these upgrades, but we haven't been keeping up and now we're behind again. So what would you say is like the advice you would give to a food business when it comes down to trying to maintain that agility and maintain at the forefront of these emerging technologies? 
Yeah, that's a good question because it, it turns the lens a little bit to the outside now, right? The way the way um, I think of this is because there's a lot of benefits an organization can can gain just by taking that insight look. You know, the way you said it too, like, well, what what are all the treasures that are within our organization? But um, you're right, right? A lot of times it's external drivers that um, push food companies specifically um, to take that step. But if you look forward, right, just give a little bit of a guidance here is that um, we just did a survey and I think it was the number was 45% of, you know, younger consumers are going to be looking at uh, buying products from companies that really follow good growing patterns, you know, don't uh, do things in the right way, right? The buzzword again, here's ESG um, around that. And so if you think about that as like, well, okay, we've done things the way we've done them, but if we want to continue to pick up our consumers where they're at, right? And look at what the demands, um, what demands do they have, right? That's something where companies, if they want to get, you know, if they want to stay agile, right? That is something they need to look at going forward because there is going to be other companies that are going to really bring the, a different value proposition to the market and do those things. And so if they want to continue to stay relevant, right? And have a compelling message out in the market, providing these types of things, right? Providing information through, uh, be it a, a really a, a good detailed website, um, traceability information that is published out there, you know, talk about how do they do things within their organization, again, from a sustainability perspective. All of those things really drive a company to say, well, okay, if I need to do that, it comes back to, well, what, what, what is the data that I need to capture? How do I need to process that? And how do I need to present that out into the market to stay relevant. So I think it's, again, if you're looking at, right, okay, digital transformation, something we're kind of think about, we can do things better, but the market actually is moving into that direction and it's gonna demand it from organizations that they really provide that. And so I think that's gonna be a big driver. And you know, if a company doesn't do that, right, then it's gonna be hard to adapt and stay agile in this, in this changing marketplace. All right, Christian, I want to thank you for spending some time today on the Food Institute podcast, really learning a lot about digital transformation. I think really the why behind, you know, the decision to go into this, right? And I think you really summed it up well there at the end, you know, the market's moving towards this, so you really need to be prepared. So I'm wondering if anyone is wondering where they could learn a little bit more about RSM, where should they go? Yeah, I think uh, the, the best place that they can go look at is really rsmus.com, our website. Um, from there on, they can learn about the different industries that we're working in, you know, the different services that we provide, um, but also a, a lot of our insights that we have around these topics. You know, some of the things that we put out um, really talk about these topics more in depth. So I think that's really um, a great place for them to go and learn more about, you know, how they can take the step on the digital transformation journey and, and how someone like us could help them with that. So that's going to do it for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. Once again, thanks to Christian for joining us and thanks to RSM for sponsoring this episode. We'll catch you next time. This is Chris Campbell signing off. Music.